This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome everybody to TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050, TSN 1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes, on Twitter at AndyMC81 and at TSN Analytics. Today's show, we have Travis Yost at TSN.ca coming up in a moment. Gus Katsaros and McKean's Hockey, Sean Tierney from Hockey Grabs, and a season finale, a playoff wrap-up of Fantasy Hockey with James Harding from NHL.com. Joining me now on the Domino's Delivery Line. Remember, folks, hey, you can get a large four-topping pizza for just $12.99. Marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Check out all the great carryout and delivery deals at Domino's.ca. It's Travis Yost. Travis, how's it going? I'm doing good, Andy. How you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well, man. The uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs clicking along. Let's, let's look big picture here, okay? And the the story, one of the, the major stories of this playoffs is those bunch of jerks, quote-unquote, the Carolina Hurricanes. It, going into that second-round series with the Islanders, it seemed that it was going to be a coin flip series, but we know that the, that the uh, Hurricanes got off to such a great start and had uh, really a surprising run overall. Who do you feel is responsible for the way this second round series has gone? Is it the Hurricanes for playing well and dominating, or is it the Islanders? Are they the ones at fault for letting Carolina walk all over them? I, I, I'm going to make an argument. It, it, it'll seem like an argument of convenience, but I think it passes the smell test. What, what is the one thing we know about Carolina more than anything else, and really the reason why they're in the playoffs? They possess the puck like no other team in the league. I right. mean, quite, they, and that's been true for almost two and a half years now. And I think they've put a lot of their effort into getting guys, um, really, offensively speaking, better shooters in and around the lineup because I think they had a, a shooting talent issue, especially when they were in the middle of that rebuild. And obviously the goaltending had been a disaster for years. Well, the goaltending's okay now. And you're starting to see guys slip into the lineup that are really coming to their own. Tybo Taravainen, uh, Sebastian Ajo, go down the list. Um, how about Fogel, too? I mean, the guy's been unbelievable the entire postseason. It's, yeah. Like, these guys are being these guys are being inserted into the lineup, and Carolina is has always been so puck-dominant. And what is the one thing we know about the Islanders? Of the 16 teams that made it to the playoffs, relatively speaking, they own the puck less than any other team that made it to the postseason. Hmm. So you have this weird like sliding scale where it's like, okay, not only do we have uh, not only, we may have two teams that are seemingly pretty competitive. I think you gave the I think anyone would give the Islanders an edge in that. Um, and, and there's certain spots in that Islanders lineup that obviously are really talented, but at a, at a team level and specifically at a structure level, we know that we knew that Carolina was going to own the puck in any series, and we would have to believe that they were going to own the puck as much as we would forecast any playoff team to in a basically a one versus sixteen, you know, against the Islanders in that case. So I think what you've seen manifest is the Islanders having a whale of a time even getting the puck, and in the event that they do, so much of what Carolina has been able to do is to bottle them up in the neutral zone and basically either turn them right back around or jumpstart a counterattack. In conversation with Travis Yost from TSN.ca. Find all his great work there on Twitter, at Travis Yost. Joining us courtesy of the Domino's Pizza delivery line. Okay, Travis, so last week we had to deal with the controversy of Cody Aikid cross-checking major on Joe Pavelski and everyone losing their minds. The refs calling a five-minute major on something that, well, probably should not have been a penalty. We flash forward to this week. Now the officials are at fault for not calling a penalty on Brad Marchand's rabbit punch to the back of the head of Scott Harrington for uh, in that Columbus series. Uh, Twitter has been divided, it seems, on that dirty play. Everybody thinks he's a jerk, he's a rat, you know, but the, the question was, okay, should it 
have been a suspendable offense and no penalty was called? Should it, at the very least it been a a penalty? What's what's your biggest issue with the player? Where do you come out on it, Travis? I mean, I, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I love I love Brad Marchand. I think he's a phenomenal hockey player. But let, let's go through this sequence here. It, among other things, it was after the whistle. The guy was on his knees. There was no reason to punch him in the back of the head. It was done with some degree of force. It, in a league where, you know, the NHL gets up yesterday in the middle of these concussion testimonies and are saying, we've done more than anyone to protect against head injuries and, and curb curb those occurrences. And yet, the league comes out basically with a hit that was needless. It wasn't a hockey play. Punch a guy in the back of the head. The guy was the defenseless. There was no preceding action that would cause Marchand to punch him in the back of the head. And so you have all of these things. And the only saving grace for Marchand was that he didn't effectively injure the player, although he certainly could have, right? You can sure. see that sequence playing out again where that causes an injury. So it checks all of the boxes for what should be a suspendable play, right? Yet mm. the league comes out and says... Not suspendable. So I'm left to conclude, okay, you can jab guys in the back of the head as long as you don't do it too, too hard. And yet, uh, not 12 hours later, the NHL comes back out and says, I I believe Gary Bettman specifically said, we warned the player and the next time it'll be a suspension. That, that to me, uh, again, is a classic case of completely indefensible logic from the league because you are effectively saying it is a suspendable play. We just aren't going to suspend it right now. And it's not, and let and let's not confuse this with other situations. The one that comes to the top of my mind is probably better examples. But do you remember the Sean Avery screening of Martin Brodeur? Um, I believe it was in the postseason. I believe it was on a five on three or five on four power play where Avery literally turned around and screened Brodeur almost as if he was playing lacrosse with his stick. <laughs> and it was uns- it was unsportsmanlike. It was low brow. There was nothing technically against the rule. Although everyone in the league, it's like you looked at it and you're like, yeah, that that doesn't seem right. That, to me, seems a case of you issue a warning and it goes away forever. Right. Head co- contact to the head that could injure, that is dangerous and reckless and unsolicited, I, I, I don't, that, that is, the precedents already exist for that to be a suspendable play. I, I just, it, it's frustrating because not only, not only did the league not do anything about it, they weren't even comfortable standing on the merit of their decision and it completely basically reversed it and said yeah if brad punches another guy in the back of the head we're going to suspend him well then you should have suspended him the first time if that's really your position right yeah if it's wrong one time how is it wrong if he does it again like it's so i kind of feel for the league office because you know they saw that and they're just like oh man we can't win right that's 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 tough uh it's it's kind of ridiculous that we we keep seeing something like this over and over again in some capacity and that the refs can't win uh travis let's get to the san jose colorado series here and uh been back and forth right series tied at two uh we saw what the avalanche were capable of when they dismantled the calgary flames in the first round how much longer can we expect that magic of Nathan McKinnon and Miko Ratnan to continue? And how did we not really see this coming from a team like Colorado? Um, well, I, I think the concerns about Colorado, which are still legitimate through today, I would mm-hmm. argue, is that they're a little too top-heavy. And I don't think anyone in Colorado's front office would, would squirm at that. I mean, they've done a better job this year and the year prior um, in, in building around the roster. Um, they're obviously a, a pretty strong hockey team, but... You know, the, 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 your first question about Nathan McKinnon and Miko Randon, this has now been two years of this, of this line being potentially the best line in hockey, right? So this is not some, oh, they're hot in the playoffs, or oh, they're hot in the second half of 
it, it's been two years now where this line has completely torched teams, and I, I just think it's the makeup of the talent, right? You've got an incredible playmaker in Ranton. You have a, a, a player in Nathan McKinnon who is as offensively gifted as anyone in the league, not to mention – I. I, I, don't, I, I think I would pay 100 bucks to just watch him and Connor McDavid do suicides up and down the ice. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely believe, I genuinely believe they are as close as it gets, and that is a, that is a massive compliment to McKinnon because I, I obviously I think McDavid's probably the fastest skater ever. Um, Maybe right there with you know Pavel Bure. But the, 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 the fascinating part to me is that you knew in this matchup, especially the San Jose-Colorado matchup, that San Jose was going to win on depth. They just have more talent across the lineup. Uh, the way Colorado gets there is they get some goaltending in their first line rough, runs rough shots. Um, we saw on Thursday exactly what happened with with uh, what Colorado when the, when the games are breaking the way Colorado's favorite. San Jose couldn't generate a ton of offense, and what it lent itself to was more sustained offensive zone time for Colorado and more counterattacking opportunities where Colorado could flex their speed through the middle of the neutral and on the wings too, especially within their top six. So. You know, fascinating matchup, just like the kind of the Calgary Colorado one was. I I I, I sincerely believe that we, include myself, maybe more than anyone, discounted how impactful that top line could be. But you know, it, it does it does bring up a point. You know, in the last few seasons, and again, maybe this is another argument it can be too. But doesn't it feel like the teams with the star players? If you went, if you looked, if you took the top, you know top 12 forwards, top six forwards for each respective team in each matchup, and you said, okay, these two guys are clearly the best two players in the uh, in the series, it seems like those teams are winning more often than not, regardless of where they're seated, right? Like, yeah. it's like if you have the best player, you've got better than a puncher's chance of winning the series, all other things being equal. And maybe it's random, maybe it's not. I, I haven't really uh, done too much uh, work or study on this point yet. It's, it's merely theory at this point, but it certainly feels like, at least in the last few postseasons, it's become at least marginally more of a star-driven league. But again, that's that's not black and white either. If that was true, we wouldn't have seen Tampa Bay bouncing for it. Well, yeah, so I, I think, huh. yeah. There's more. There's more nuance as always. Definitely, Travis. Always good stuff, buddy. Thank you so much. Take care, Andy. There he goes, Travis Yost from TSN.ca. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. A must-follow, folks, at Travis Yost. We'll step aside, come back still to come in the show. We'll talk to Gus Katsaros from McKean's Hockey, Sean Tierney from Hockey Graphs, and put a regular season, a playoff uh, run, and projections to next year's fantasy hockey lineups, drafts, players to go for, to stay away from with James Harding from NHL.com. A lot more coming up on TSN 1050, TSN Hockey Analytics. If you're hungry, check out this great deal from Domino's. Unlimited two-topping medium pizzas for just $7.99 each. That's right, as many pizzas as you want with a minimum purchase of two pizzas. So stock up, dig in, and feed that hunger with unlimited two-topping medium pizzas. Perfect for the big game, a busy night with the family, or just because. Order online today at dominoes.ca and add on some great side dishes and dessert. That's dominoes.ca. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics, TSN 1050 Toronto. I'm Andy McNamara. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at TSN Analytics. Myself at AndyMC81. Subscribe on iTunes. 
And if you miss any of the show, you can get it there, as well as on the tsn1050.ca show page. We are delivered by Domino's. Go grab yourself a large four-topping pizza. Just $12.99. Cheesy bread for side dishes, boneless chicken, marbled cookie brownie, lava cakes for dessert. So many options for carryout and delivery. Check them out at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. Let's welcome in Gus Katsaros, our buddy from Roto World and McKean's Hockey. Gus, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on. Oh, no doubt. And, and, and Gus, usually we, we bring you on to chat Maple Leafs, but uh, well, they're, uh, they're done. So until uh, Mitch Marner signs a contract or Mike Babcock's future is decided, well, well, we'll keep things a little bit away from, from the Maple Leafs for a moment and um, get into some of the other series. So First, the story of this postseason, it's all been about parity, right? You see, like, Tampa Bay, Calgary being knocked off. We know about the upsets in the first round. Now in round two, many of those teams remain competitive, showing that round one was no fluke. What's the difference about this year, and why do you think everything is so even and competitive? Well, I mean, the parity that you um, that you referred to is essentially the biggest issue. This is kind of what the NHL always really wanted. Um, I, I think that you can attribute it to actually two different things. One, obviously, teams are getting much better in the way that they're building their rosters and they've become more competitive. Um, the regular season is really a, a, a mix of highs and lows. Um, Teams develop points that it's a little bit uneven in fact that uh, some divisions have teams that are really strong and some that aren't necessarily very strong, so they beat up on the weaklings. They increase those point totals, so the gaps in point totals sometimes are slightly inflated based on um, kind of weak measures. Um, and, and teams can be competitive in a one-on-one situation. I mean, in the regular season, anything can happen on a night-to-night basis. You could be playing back-to-back. You could playing um, a, a team that's depleted by, by injuries. But when it comes down to a specific playoff round and you're playing against that one opponent that can key in on specific situations, um, then that is essentially the difference. And we have a fantastic example in the Avalanche. The Avalanche took it to the Flames, especially after making some adjustments after a woeful game one. They took it to them distinctly. You could see the strategy, the way that they were able to counter all of Calgary's ability to score goals. Um, So you have that individual one-on-one. And then you just have certain other little factors. Like, I really wish I had tracked Columbus playing Tampa Bay a lot better. To me, it feels um, like they're forechecking and the pressure tactics and the things that they did to force Tampa Bay to go to the puck carrier and open up space um, didn't necessarily work. Columbus was just much more prepared. You have the Isles and the Pens that were essentially equal, coin toss. I would give the Leafs and the Bruins something similar in that regard. The Caps had issues with with injuries. TJ Oshie not being in the lineup is a big issue. Um, But the Blues and the Jets, that's another one you could have considered a coin toss. But if you kind of looked at some of the things that I've been thinking about since January, the Blues have been a big dark horse, and I would expect them to continue to be a dark horse. And the only one that really kind of baffled me, although now I can understand seeing a little bit more of Dallas in round two, was how Nashville got knocked out in the first round. I thought that they were going to be a clear-cut winner, and... Here we are. And here we are. Yes, that's, that's, you know, I guess I think that's the perfect phrase for the NHL playoffs so far. It's like, well, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy the entertainment, people. This is what you wanted. Like, Gus, do you, do you think the league likes this in the sense that now it really is unpredictable? Like, maybe you don't want it every year, but to see it happen where, oh my gosh, you can't take anything for granted. Like, it becomes every series is must-watch. You think the league likes that? And, and of course, countering that is, well, you got the big popular teams who are the powerhouses eliminated. There's a big, there's a plus and a minus. Yeah. The plus is the fact that, you know, if you're a, 
if you're a fan of any team, and as long as they can kind of make the playoffs, anything can happen, there's a little bit of a caveat that we should kind of put into that because that's not really reality. You can't just make it and anything can happen. You have to still perform. Um, but at the same time, no Ovechkin, no Crosby, mm-hmm. no Stamkos, no Kucherov, no big-name stars left in the NHL that, you know, that the, the, the league can kind of – wrapper themselves around in market. So it, there's, a, there's a bit of a plus and a minus to it. I actually love the fact that any team could be competitive enough to win the Cup. I'm not as happy as not seeing some full-fledged stars being so far into the tournament so far. In conversation with Gus Katsaros on Twitter, at Cats Hockey, hockey analyst for McKean's Hockey and Roto World. You can check out his great work there. And folks, you know what? Mother's Day right around the corner, right? It is coming up May 12th. So try something different for moms. Don't just do the flowers. Take a route. How about Toronto Food Tours for Mother's Day? TOFoodTours.com. How about this? Here's an option. King and Queen West Sunday brunch tour May 12 brunch in the second hippest neighborhood as the wor- uh, in the world along with a visit to Toronto's famous graffiti alley you can check that out tofoodtours.com also barbecue grilling 101 and what you get you can learn tips and tricks from a professional chef and all the secrets of perfect backyard grilling on the barbecue that's just a couple of options that you get when you go to TO Food Tours, and, it, and listen, it is the only one to have a chef-operated and owned food experience. And it's they pride themselves on offering bartender and chef-inspired tours. Very, very cool. Check it out, TOFoodTours.com, TOFoodTours.com. Uh, Gus, let's talk about Nathan McKinnon here, man. So dominant, right? Like, this guy, he's in the toughest time of year to, to really try to take over a game individually. And he's leading the way. And we all knew the kind of skill he had as one of the top players in the league. But this postseason, he seems to have really taken it to a totally new level. How much longer do you think McKinnon can carry the avalanche? Well, I mean, he's a Conn Smythe candidate at this point in time. And if sure. he continues, you know, he's an outright winner. Um, he's one of the... He's one of the um, really good examples of what it takes to get a good controlled clean zone exit and a clean controlled zone entry the other way. Um, His speed is ridiculous, but it's not just his speed. And I use this specifically. Kasperi Kapanen is all speed. The hands don't match the feet. Connor McDavid is all speed where he's able to operate at a speed at a pace that's above and beyond what a normal NHLer can do. And that's what Nathan McKinnon can do as well. He can operate at such a pace that you, you can't just match him with speed. You need to be able to match him with speed and the hockey sense and the plays and the things that he does in that moment. And it really it makes it difficult to contain him. So he gains the line. He either takes it in himself. He either sets up an opponent and then just uses that blazing speed to, to beeline to the net. Um, he gives you lots of examples of essentially why the neutral zone is so damn important in this game, in this era. Um, and it's not just his own skill set. He's making the players around him better. It's not necessarily showing up on the scoreboard on a consistent enough basis, but if you put enough pressure on your opponents, they're going to eventually tire, especially if you're using a lot of the same players to try to cover a player like McKinnon. They could double shift him at some point in time and really screw up with, uh, really screw with the, uh, with the Sharks lineup. And it's nice to have a kind of weapon in your quill, some, uh, similar to that, where he can kind of beat you in a variety of different fashions, but speed kills. That's Nathan McKinnon's catchphrase. In conversation with Gus Katsaros on Twitter, at Katz 
hockey. Gus, recently on Roto World, you took a look at how each of the second-round playoff teams have adjusted their play specifically on the offensive side of things. So you used a five-on-five shot attempts by distance, and you were able to point out if teams have changed things up from round one into round two. Which teams have made the most significant changes by round based on your research? And is there any team that is, is cashing in on these changes? Well, I actually think that the most significant has been the St. Louis Blues. The Blues have gone to essentially what made them um, come out of that funk of being the last team in the NHL like as the calendar turned into January and to where they are now. It, they give a lot of the credit to Jordan Biddington, but the, essentially the Blues hit those high-danger scoring areas a lot harder in the second half of the season. They showed a renewed commitment to offense. They didn't necessarily rely on on shady goaltending and 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 a pretty decent blue line. So that's essentially what they've done with Dallas. In the first round, they didn't, they weren't able to kind of capitalize on the type of forward-checking pressure that they wanted to apply on the Jets. They were able to get in and, and do the work and, and just do more than Winnipeg in order to uh, solidify that first-round uh, advancement into this one. Um, and now they've really taken it to Dallas. They've gotten harder. They've implemented the forecheck that they wanted to implement against uh, the Jets. They're getting into those high-danger scoring areas. Last um, um, in the in the Dallas was able to kind of counter that a little bit right. um, and kind of tie up the series and make it into a, a decent enough series. But the reality here is the Blues really are, are dominating this series the same way that they were dominating getting into the playoffs, even with a little bit of a setback. So to answer your question, I think that the Blues have done the best turnaround in the second, uh, in the second round um, in accordance to essentially where they're actually taking shots from. Um, you could add a little bit of Carolina to that, too. Boston has improved a little bit. Columbus really took it to Tampa Bay, and they're not taking it as hard to the net as they are as they did in the first round. So I think that that, that kind of shows you the type of grinding style that Boston's able to implement that kind of takes away the effectiveness of Columbus's game. Definitely. Gus, last one for you here. Let, let's mix in a little Maple Leafs. I said we will, we'll, uh, in relation to the Toronto Marlies, currently in the second round of the AHL playoffs, trying to defend their Calder Cup title. The Leafs organization has prided themselves in internal on internal development. Is there anyone playing for the Marlies that you're keeping your eye on as possibly somebody that could crack the Leafs roster next year? Well, three players specifically that I think have a distinct opportunity. One, I think that Trevor Moore becomes a full-time NHLer next year. I'll okay. give him that. So it's not like I'm focusing on him, but I think that he deserves to be in that conversation. The player that can kind of come in and perhaps snag a spot is defenseman Rasmus Sandin. And man, has been, he's been incredible this entire season. He's showing up the same thing in the playoffs. Um, it's just one of these things where the internal development has accelerated so quickly and so distinctly with this one little player that they can possibly bring him in next year and, and be a potential replacement. I use the replacement for Jake Gardner on to the assumption that they're not able to re-sign him. Um, but maybe the most exciting player in that regard is actually Jeremy Bracco. Hmm. I expect him to be in a, a Leaf uniform at least to start, if not the entire season next year, even if it is in an, um, a lessened role in accordance to what he's playing with the Toronto Marlies. He could easily fit in a lower roster uh, and and be just what he is to the Toronto Marlies, provide that offensive flair, be good, be skilled, um, and give the Leafs an extra dimension, especially if they're playing against teams that are really deep. It's always good to have a good scorer in your pocket. And always good to have you on, my friend. Thanks, Gus. The pleasure is always mine, Andy. Thank you very much. All right, brother. There he goes, Gus Katsaros from McKean's Hockey and Roto World on Twitter, at Cats Hockey. We're going to step aside after the break. It'll be Sean Tierney 
from Hockey Graphs. He will stop by and we'll continue with our Stanley Cup playoff breakdown here on TSN Hockey Analytics. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. And rolling on TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto. I'm Andy McNamara. Make sure you subscribe and rate us on iTunes if you miss any of the show. Go back and check out past episodes as well as on TSN 1050.ca under the TSN Hockey Analytics show page. I'm Andy McNamara on Twitter at AndyMC81. The program at TSN Analytics. And as you know, folks, we are delivered by Domino's. How about this? You like medium two-topping pizzas? How about unlimited amounts of it for just $7.99 each? Just order two minimum online at Domino's.ca and you can get as many medium two-topping pizzas as you want for just $7.99. Perfect for the weekend. Perfect really anytime. Check out all the great deals at Domino's. It's welcome in now our guy from Hockey Graphs. It is a Sean Tierney. Sean, how are you? Doing well, Andy. How are you doing? I'm very good, my friend. Very good. And Sean, the other day, MoneyPuck.com had the Carolina Hurricanes as a pretty significant favorite to win the Cup this year. Now, the Canes have become the darling of fans, not just in the playoffs, but in the regular season, too. What is your level of belief in this team beyond the second round? Because they don't really have any big-name stars, but this seems to be a classic situation of the sum of the parts being greater than the parts individually. What's your read overall on this Canes group? Yeah, and so this is a team that I think, you know, all the regular listeners to the show will know. I've been pretty uh, oh, yeah, into baby. the Canes all season. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> exactly. uh, and so this is a team that came into the playoffs with a lot of positive sort of under the hood. They were just astronomical in terms of their ability to generate quality chances for, and they were a really good team at limiting the, the quality they allowed against. But in kind of typical Canes fashion, the way they came into the playoffs was, uh, you know, getting maybe average goaltending, which uh, actually had been a bit of an improvement over their past season, and really not getting that shooting luck. Uh, and that's something that has kind of been cane talky a little bit over the past couple of seasons. But what we've seen as the playoffs have gone on is that they've kind of flipped the script, and it's almost jarring in a sense to look at. When we look at uh, PDO, which is uh, shooting percentage and save percentage, uh, we expect those numbers when you add them together to hover around about 100. And so, for the Kings, that's often been a little bit low for them, and that indicates a little bit of a lack of luck. That just hasn't been the case in the playoffs for them. They're shooting at an above-average rate. They've been getting saves at an above-average rate. Uh, and it's just sort of a brand-new look for a team that hasn't had much of this luck going for them in the past. So um, getting by the Capitals in round one, that was the big challenge. I think the Islanders um, was looking maybe like uh, it could have been sort of a coin flip or maybe a little bit of an edge to the Islanders in the end. But, um, you know, there's been a lot to like about the way the Kings have played so far in the playoffs, and they're starting to get some of that puck luck that hasn't been there uh, traditionally for them. So uh, if, I think that this is a team that, um, you know, is built to succeed in the long run. It's nice to see their regular season kind of translating for them in the postseason too. Sean, let's go off ice for a moment into the front office of the Edmonton Oilers. And we asked, I talked about it with Travis Yost a little bit earlier, but they continue to search for a new GM. Ken Holland of the Red Wings, probably the top name on their wish list. But unfortunately for Edmonton, Holland has also been tied to the upcoming Seattle organization. Now, if you were in Holland's shoes and you had the choice of starting from scratch with Seattle 
or trying to guide the Oilers back from the abyss, uh, which job would be the most appealing to you? Now, so this is an interesting one where I think you try to separate um, the reality of the situation maybe from the theory of the situation. I think anyone who follows sort of Oilers Twitter knows that that's a place that's got some strange uh, negativity around it and um, there's sort of a, a lack of hope and a lack of maybe belief in the leadership group there. Uh, and so when you think of it, uh, Seattle, a brand new place, you bring in all your own people, uh, that memory of Vegas and what they were able to put together yeah. for their first year team, it, it kind of, you know, still rings a bell in people's minds and it's tempting. But I think that's the wrong way to go. And when you look at what Edmonton still has on that roster, um, in terms of things like maybe goals against or goals above replacement that guard or that war score, you're looking at the best player in hockey with Connor McDavid as your starting point. Then you're dropping names like Dreisaitl, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins had a really positive year. Nurse and uh, Russell on the back end were both positives in war overall, and Russell's kind of a whipping boy in the analytics community, but he was a plus this year. You've got Questbaum, who is, you know, sort of dealing with injury, but he's been, you know, a, a very good top four defenseman in the past. Bouchard's in the wings coming. I don't think that uh, any realistic observer should expect Seattle to be able to put together anything even close to what. Edmonton starts off with with their core. So it was kind of a sexy answer in a way to say, you know, Seattle, brand new thing. We're going to get the brand new uniforms, get the brand new team, and maybe we'll get that Vegas experience. Edmonton has a lot of excellent pieces in place still. If I'm GM Ken Holland, I'm looking at a new place to land. It's Edmonton for me every time, and you're looking to build around what is actually, you know, a very decent core and just needs the right supporting pieces brought in uh, to make the team a playoff team again. A rare vote of confidence for the Edmonton Oilers. I like it, Sean. That's we, we, we get the unique takes from you. I like it. Uh, in conversation with Sean Tierney from Hockey Graphs on Twitter, at Charting Hockey. And people, you know Mother's Day right around the corner, right? Do something a little different for mom this year. You, you can get the flowers. You can get a car, whatever. How about an experience? How about take mom out? And you can do that at Toronto Food Tours. A couple of great Mother Day, uh, Mother's Day events. You go to T.O. Foodtours.com. How about this? Mom likes brunch. King and Queen West Sunday brunch tour, May 12th. Brunch in the second hippest neighborhood in the world, along with a visit to Toronto's famous Graffiti Alley. Or, hey, go out for a barbecuing session. BBQ Grilling 101, also on May 12th. And this is what's featured. You can learn tips and tricks from a professional chef and all the secrets of perfect backyard grilling on the barbecue. This is all set up for, uh, in part by Chef Scott and how this is unique is because it, it's it's world class experiences with food, with outings, with places, with tours. So get out there for Mother's Day. Check them all out at tofoodtours.com. Tofoodtours.com. Uh, Sean, let's go to the Columbus Blue Jackets here, and we pointed out, or you pointed out rather, on Twitter that the Blue Jackets have been a defensive juggernaut this postseason. They've been shutting down the league's best offense in the Lightning and doing a solid job limiting the Bruins so far. They went down four-one the other night, but that's fine. Do you feel the Maple Leafs would have had the same experience had they advanced beyond Boston? And, and this ties into the whole theme of teams who have been eliminated in the first round kicking themselves because of how wide open the playoffs have been with some of those big-name teams being uh, being eliminated so early. And I think so. The Columbus Blue Jackets um, are doing something that they were kind of showing they had the ability to do in the regular season, that limiting of all quality against and really sort of providing that shell for Bobrovsky. 
But Sergei Bobrovsky really went up and down during the regular season. Sometimes he was fabulous, and sometimes he looked like he was going to get bounced out of the league. And so the Blue Jackets didn't really show their full potential or their full colors um, at all times during the regular season. But right now it's really clicking for them. They're limiting quality against at uh, just an incredible rate. So uh, teams getting shots against them, there's only uh, one team that's been any better at limiting shots against. And in terms of limiting quality against, only the Tampa Bay Lightning actually did any better than them, which is kind of funny to think because they bounced themselves out of the first round. Mm. So if we're looking at the Leafs in sort of that dream scenario where Toronto manages to get by Boston, and now they've got the Blue Jackets, and maybe that's a good situation, I don't think Leafs fans should really kick themselves hard. And I think we would have seen a very similar series. The Lightning were just as good during the regular season at generating quality, just like the Leafs. But the Blue Jackets were able to bring that defensive structure that they had in the regular season, and they got some goaltending from Bobrovsky to go with it. I think Toronto would have fallen right into that same pattern of not being able to get to the high-quality areas to get their shots off. They would have been stuck with the long-distance things, and when Bobrovsky's on his game, he's as good as almost any goalie in the league. So I think you know that revisionist or that looking back, what could have been for Leafs fans, it's not a path I would walk too far down because what Columbus is doing has been good enough to shut out the best offense that we saw in the Lightning. It's been good enough you know, to sort of hold Boston at bay as well, and it would have been good enough to hold the Leafs back too. And so when the team gets rolling like this in a short sample kind of thing like the playoffs, you know, it's, it's just a hard thing to beat, and, and we might just be watching the beginning of the Blue Jackets story. Who knows how far they'll take this? Yeah, interesting. Uh, and last one for you here, Sean. Who has been your goaltender of the playoffs so far? It seems it's been a, a weird year in between the pipes, right? All the Vesna Vezna finalists, including Ben Bishop, haven't been their usual selves in the playoffs, per se. And I, I don't think we can say we've seen one goalie take over. You mentioned Bobrovsky, but uh, we haven't seen one goalie really take over a series in the traditional sense that we're used to. Of the pool that's left for you to choose from, which starting goalie would be your top pick for the rest of the playoffs? So I love this. This is something I tweeted out on Twitter the other day, and it's a name that has received you know, enough criticism in his hometown, but has really brought it in the playoffs, and it's Tuka Rask for the Boston ah. Bruins. And so, you know, he's kind of been uh, embattled a little bit and a name that isn't always trusted and sometimes pointed at as, you know, not Tim Thomas and not the kind of goalie who's going to get us uh, all the way through the fi- to the finals again. But Tuka Rask has the best goal saved above average mark out of all playoff goaltenders uh he had been trailing robin leonard and and the carolina hurricanes have really put a dent in leonard's armor as that series has worn on and so it's just rask atop the list now and and the other names up at the top are frederick anderson which is heartbreaking for the leafs Bobrovsky's right up there and then leonard so for me Tuka rask is that goalie he's flashing that ability at another great game uh against the blue jackets and he might be that goalie that sort of can uh, provide the support Boston needs. They don't always have the depth on offense that they need, but if they're getting this kind of goaltending from Rask, playoffs best goaltending, and that top line can bring the offense that they're known for. You know, they're a team that's looking at kind of a wide open East themselves, and, and they might be, you know, on a run to the finals also. So, yeah, for me, it's, it's Tuka Rask, and it's nice to see he's on a bit of a redemption tour as we go. Great stuff, as always, my friend. Thanks, Sean. Have a good week. Thanks, Andy. Talk to you soon. All right. There we go. Sean Tierney from Hockey Graphs on Twitter, at Charting Hockey. Uh, trem- you got to follow him. Tremendous charts, really breaking it down in an understandable and digestible way for hockey fans. We'll step aside after the break. We'll wrap it up with our fantasy hockey projections for next year and playoff fantasy MVP to this point. 
with James Harding from NHL.com. They're a great fantasy writer. That is next to wrap up TSN Hockey Analytics. If you're hungry, check out this great deal from Domino's. Unlimited two-topping medium pizzas for just $7.99 each. That's right, as many pizzas as you want with a minimum purchase of two pizzas. So stock up, dig in, and feed that hunger with unlimited two-topping medium pizzas. Perfect for the big game, a busy night with the family, or just because. Order online today at dominoes.ca and add on some great side dishes and dessert. That's dominoes.ca. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Back to wrap up another edition, second last edition for season five of TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Subscribe and rate us on the iHeartRadio app. You can find us on the tsn1050.ca show page as well. Get us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. Make sure to follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash AndyMacLive. And we have live. It is James Harding. Fantasy hockey expert writer from NHL.com. James, how are you doing, bud? I am doing fantastic, Andy. Uh, it, it, it's a little uh, sad today, you know, final appearance for the season yes. uh, on the show with you guys, but uh, let's let's rock it like we always do. Absolutely, man. You've been a gem all year long, so really do appreciate you uh, coming on and sharing your knowledge. And, and really, hey, we're, we're helping people with their fantasy hockey team, so it's all good. Um, Let's for for themes here. This is where I want to start. I want to start with your regular season fantasy hockey MVP, your playoff fantasy MVP up to now, and then we'll go ahead with some stock up, stock down fantasy projections for next season. Okay, you ready to go? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Give me your regular season fantasy MVP. Yeah, I don't think this is going to be a surprise to anybody, even though they got trounced in the first round by the Columbus Blue Jackets, but it's uh, Nikita Kucherov from from the Lightning, uh, an unbelievably historic season for him this year. 128 points, 41 goals, 87 assists, 48 power play points. Uh, you know, when you look at the level of production that he put up this year, uh, you know, played with both Steven Stamkos and Braden Point at uh, different times during the season, and was consistent with both of them. Uh, you know, it, it's probably between him and Connor McDavid. You could flip a coin who's the best player in hockey right now. But uh, certainly this year, uh, Nikita Kucherov, even though he didn't help me win my fantasy hockey league, hmm. uh, he, he was the fantasy MVP uh, for the year this year. And it, it, it wasn't even really that close. So that's for the regular season. And, well, we know how things went with Tampa Bay. Whoops. Yikes. Uh, and now the the fantasy MVP so far into the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Who's your guy? Yeah, I'm looking at Logan Couture from the San Jose Sharks. Okay. Uh, he's, he's tied for second uh, in playoff scoring right now with 12 points, uh, nine goals, three assists. Uh, Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen from uh, Colorado are tied for first with 13 points. Uh, McKinnon would probably be my 1B if I had to throw another name out there right now, but uh, Couture has absolutely stepped up in the absence of Joe Pavelski after that uh, check to the head that he took in that decisive Game 7 against Vegas uh, that caused all the controversy. But Couture, you know, nine goals so far, 
uh, playing with a huge confidence boost right now. He's on the line with uh, Timo Meyer and Gustav Nyquist at even strength, uh, just absolutely playing the lights out, uh, really stepping up and, and being the player that we expect him to be on a, on a night-in, night-out basis. But I think he's actually even outperforming uh, the expectation that we've had over Logan Couture uh, for the past few years. We always knew he was a, a very good player, and right now he's starting to step up into that elite-level production uh, with what he's doing. And if he can carry this over to next year, uh, it's going to be a huge fantasy boost for him uh, going into next season. But uh, Logan Couture right now is my fantasy playoff MVP. In conversation with James Harding, NHL.com fantasy hockey writer on Twitter, at jharding underscore hockey. He joins us courtesy of the Domino's Pizza delivery line. And, folks, how about this deal? Unlimited. Medium two-topping pizzas for just $7.99. As long as you order a minimum of two online at dominoes.ca, you can get 20, 30, however many medium pizzas you want two-topping for just $7.99. Check it all out, all the great delivery and carryout deals at dominoes.ca. Okay, James, let's do a projection. We'll get out the crystal ball and look for next fantasy hockey season as far as our stock up, stock down, so our listeners can start to scout, maybe, maybe take a couple jot notes of who they should be keeping an eye on, some risers and fallers for next year's fantasy hockey draft and team. Give me your first stock up for next season. Yeah, first stock up, uh, defenseman uh, Jacob Slavin from the Carolina Hurricanes right now, absolutely beasting in the playoffs for them. 11 assists, and he's third among all remaining players in time on ice right now, averaging more than 26 and a half minutes per game, uh, you know, playing big minutes, playing a big role for the Hurricanes. They absolutely shut down the Islanders through this series. And so, you know, when, when you look at what he's done in the regular season, coming off his third straight 30-point season, eight goals, 23 assists, 31 points, uh, 11 assists right now, in the, the playoffs at the moment through 10 games. So uh, really playing uh, at, at another level, I'm expecting him to take a big step forward next year uh, in Carolina's offense uh, with the huge boost that he's getting uh, from, from these series against both uh, the Capitals and the Islanders and then you know however uh, far the Hurricanes go here in these playoffs. So that is number one. Okay, I like it. Who else should we be keeping an eye on? Uh, I want to keep an eye on Anthony Mantha from the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, he matched his career high from last season with a second consecutive uh, 48-point campaign this year. Career high is 25 goals. He had uh, 23 assists, 13 power play points, which was a career high, and uh, 198 shots on goal. But over the last month or so of the season, really gelled on that line, uh, the top line there for Detroit with uh, both Dylan Larkin and Tyler Bertuzzi. So uh, that could definitely be a very underrated scoring line going into next season for the Red Wings. Uh, so I really like where Mantha is right now, especially if he maintains his exposure to Larkin next year. And Larkin easily will be probably about a top 60 or 70 fantasy uh, projection going into next season. So we got Manta there, number three. We got our first two, number three, stock up for fantasy projection for next year's fantasy hockey teams. Yeah, I'm really high on Dylan Strom after the trade mm. to uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. We talked about him uh, a number of times after the trade throughout the second half of the season. 
Uh, he skated in their top six from the beginning, and he saw time with either Patrick Kane or Alex DeBrincat. Uh, Kane, obviously, 110 points, career high there. DeBrincat, uh, one of the top five or six goal scorers in the NHL this season, really had a breakout year. Uh, so either one that he has the potential to play with uh, in that exposure to the Hawks, uh, you know, top six and their first power play unit uh, is huge. He had 51 points in 58 games with Chicago after the trade from Arizona after he had only six points in 20 games with the Coyotes through, uh, through the first 20 games of the season. So, you know, he definitely has 60, maybe even 70-point potential uh, in a with a full season in that uh, potent Hawks offense. So I really like Dylan Strom going into next year. Uh, I, would, I would probably say he might go a little higher uh, than where he should, but the potential that he has to either play with Kane or DeBrincat uh, for an entire year is uh, pretty enticing. So those are the stock up in conversation with James Harding from NHL.com on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey. Those are the stock up for next year's fantasy hockey projections. Give me a couple stock downs here, James. We always know there's the overhyped guys. There's somebody who maybe, based on name recognition alone, gets drafted too high. Who are a couple you're staying away from? Here in points, and I'm just uh, I'm, I'm uncertain if they're going to be able to sustain that level of production. It's Jonathan Huberdeau, uh, Elias Lindholm. And Sam Reinhardt, you know, Huberdeau okay. had 92 points for the for the Panthers this year. Uh, he had previously only scored a career high of 69. So you know that's a that's a big 23 point jump uh, from from his prior career high. Uh, if he's not playing with Alexander Barkov, he's a different player, and he has gone into uh, you know streaks and lulls before. So you know that 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 concerns me a little bit that he put up that much production. Same thing with Elias Lindholm. You know, 78 points this season, a massive 30-plus point jump from either of his prior years when he was with Carolina. If he's not playing with Gaudreau and Monaghan, he's a different player. Sam Reinhardt had 38 points through the first three months of the season, uh, but then over his last 19 games only had eight points. He was bumped off the line with Jack Eichel and Jeff Skinner uh, because of how cold he went over the last month and a half of the season. So, you know, it, it depends on where these guys play, and it depends on if they're able to sustain that level of production. And, and based off of where they had been to what they had produced now, uh, it's hard to see, and it's really hard to trust. They're guys who are going to be overdrafted because of their name and their production level, but then when you really look at, at what they have done in the past, you start to question whether or not they're able to sustain it over multiple seasons. All right, brother. I think that'll do it. That will wrap it up. Season five. Uh, you're second with us. Um, and thank you very much for, for taking the time each and every week. We will make sure to, to do this again next year with you. Have a great summer. And remember, folks, any off-season tips or needs for your fantasy hockey team, you got to get this guy from NHL.com on Twitter, at jharding underscore hockey. James, thanks, buddy. Hey, thank you, Andy and Sean. You guys have been awesome all year. I appreciate you guys. All right, brother. There he goes. James Harding from NHL.com. And that'll do it for us for, well, the second last episode of Season 5. Next week, uh, Saturday noon, here on TSN 1050, will be the Season 5 finale of TSN Hockey Analytics. So thanks to our guests, Yost, Harding, Tierney, Katsaros. And for producer Sean Lavery, I'm Andy McNamara. We'll talk to you next Saturday at noon again. Season 5 finale of TSN Hockey Analytics right here on TSN 1050.